Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lord bless everyone, and this is the Mr. Kakalides and the Bible podcast. And we're going to read today 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 to 10. And it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sabonites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extorters will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I want you to notice something in, in this passage here. The Christian does not identify himself with his or her sin. <clears throat> yes, before you come to Christ, it's good to you recognize what you were or what you are at that moment. So you can do something about it. But once you come into Christ, you become a Christian. Your identity is not in the sin, which you sometimes may fall into. Your identity is found in Christ. <clears throat> How are you going to be delivered from a sin? If you keep on calling yourself by that sin. Say, I am a person that struggles with homosexuality or adultery or drunkenness. If I keep on telling myself as a Christian, I'm a drunker or I'm a homosexual, or I'm an adulterer. If you keep on telling yourself that, how are you going to leave that sin behind? You have to identify yourself with the person of Christ. I'm not that sin. I may fall into it occasionally. It is a struggle. I don't want to do these sins anymore. But my identity now is found in the person of Christ. <clears throat> and when those sins attack you, then you find your identity in Christ. Because if you call yourself by those sins, it's going to be easier for you to do it and justify yourself because you're going to say, I am this. It's okay if I fall in this sin because I am this. No, it's not okay if you fall in this sin because you're a Christian. Your identity is different. You're not that person anymore. <clears throat> you know what you're going to put if you continue to identify, if you're a Christian, you continue to identify yourself with a sin, you know what you're going to do? You're going to put a sneer conscience on you. 
So you can fall in that sin many times and it won't bother you. And once it doesn't bother you, then you're going to have to struggle when, with the idea. Or well, other people have to struggle with the idea. Is that person truly saved? <clears throat> because that person is living a moral life and they identify themselves with that sin. And that surely is not a Christian. The more you identify yourself with your sin, being a Christian, the more you are that sin, the more you're going to do that sin. But if you identify yourself with the person of Christ, if your identity is found in Jesus, you're not going to be committing those sins. And if you do fall occasionally, it will be just a fall and you're going to get back up real easily. You won't be deceived by the devil, which after he makes you fall, he's going to start accusing you. you go, and tell you, oh, you're, you are this. No, liar devil, I'm not that. I am, I am in Jesus. I am a Christian. I am a child of the living God. Look at what the Bible says. <clears throat> in verse 12. But as many as received them, received Christ, to them he gave the right to become, that's John 1 verse 12, he gave them the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. If you are a Christian, you are a child of the living God. Don't let the devil tell you, I'm a murderer. If you've murdered people before, <clears throat> it's true. How many times? <clears throat> it's true that before you came to Christ, <clears throat> before you came to Christ, you was a murderer, you was an adulterer, you was this and that and the other. But now that you're in Christ, who took your sin on the cross? Are we still to carry our sin and be proud of it? Oh, I'm this, I'm that. Yeah. I enjoy that sin. Or we should, should see ourselves in a new identity. <clears throat> because Christ has took our shame, brothers and sisters. We are children of God. Galatians 3.26 For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ. We have to understand who we are. We have to understand our identity. We're going to speak more about this after this song break. Oh, oh, oh. 
That's an old familiar hymn and we like the hymns and we like the new songs and we really just like what helps us lift our minds and hearts to God in praise. You know, have you ever experienced what we just sang about where your life was broken, you were depressed, you were discouraged, you'd been disappointed and God hid your life in the depth of his love. Have you ever experienced the sweetness and the gentleness of God? Now, um, let's continue. Our identity, just like that song says, he hideth my soul. Our identity is hidden in Christ. We read in Ephesians 2, verse 2, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit which now works in the sons of disobedience. That was you in the past. The past, your sin was you in the past. It's not you anymore. You're not to be walking in that according to the course of this world. <clears throat> oh, but why is it, why is the sin so difficult to get rid of? Because before you was going with the wind. Now you're going against the wind, against, against the, the, the waves. Of course it's going to be difficult. Of course there's going to be time where you're going to fall on your face. And of course there's going to be time you're going to want to run away. But guess what? If you still hang there, then that shows you are a Christian. You are a true believer. Your identity again is found in Jesus. Don't let the enemy tell you you're this. You see you're this? No, you're not. How many times the enemy had told me my sin and told me you're this, you're that, you're never going to change. Do I listen to him? Heck no, he's a liar. You don't listen to people who lie too much. He lies constantly. And he's more than a liar. He's the father of it. So if the enemy tells you you're this, you know it's a lie. Because all he does is deceives. Read in Colossians 3, 7, in which you yourselves once walked when, uh, when you lived in them. We don't live in them no more. We live in Christ. We don't live in sin anymore. We live in Christ. 
we may struggle with sin, but sin again doesn't identify in them ourselves in them. We're not in adultery, in drunkenness, in Christian is not that. In homosexuality, in adultery, in um, whatever other sins they may be, in stealing. No, we're in Christ. Titus 3 verse 3 says, For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. We were this. We were doing all these things. And there are some Christians who sometimes fall into that occasionally. But guess what? They don't identify themselves with that sin. Because if you start identifying yourself with that sin, you will never be delivered from it. Hebrews 10.22 Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The world nowadays tells you identify yourself with your sin and make peace with your sin. Are you to make peace with the sin that wants to make war with you? No, you you are to make war with your sin. Don't make peace with your sin. Become one with your sin. You become one with your sin, where is Christ? Let's let's stand up, stand up for Jesus. Let's play a hymn and then we'll continue. Let's look at some things that we are. Even though I can name a number of them. 
First Peter 2 verse 4 tells us, Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Jesus is a living stone. Verse 5, You also as living stones, because Jesus is a living stone, Brothers and sisters, you also are a living stone, unmovable, unshakable. You are built, verse 5 says, you are being built up a spiritual house. You are a, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifice accepted to God through Jesus Christ. Oh, did you know that you was a priest? We don't need no Roman Catholic, no Greek Orthodox, no Episcopalian priest, no Lutheran priest, because we are a priesthood on ourselves. Oh, brothers and sisters, you are a priest, says those scriptures. Verse 6 says, Therefore, it also contained in the scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, and locked, precious. And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. You know what you are? You're shameless. There's no shame in you. In a good way. We cannot say, Shame on us if you are a believer in Christ. No, shame on the devil who tries to deceive me. There's no shame. In Jesus, there is no shame. Let's continue. Let's go to... um. Verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Notice, you were called out of darkness... Now you are in his marvelous light. And that makes you a chosen generation. All you're chosen among your people, among your family members. You are chosen, elected. God has placed his love upon you. A royal priesthood. All royal priesthood, you are holy. And you are one winter seas for people. You are a holy nation. The Christian, it's... The Christian is a nation. I want you to know that. The Christian is a nation. Just as much as Israel was a nation. And is a nation. Just as much as America is a nation. Yes, we identify ourselves as Americans if you're in America. Or in European if you're in Europe. But we also identify ourselves with the nation which we really are from. And that is Christian. You know, there were martyrs back then in the first, second, and third century. If they was going to ask them, what nation are you from? They would say, I'm, I'm a Christian. 
<clears throat> what do you believe? I am a Christian. What nation are you from? I am a Christian. They would just say, I am a Christian, and they would die with the words, I am a Christian. Because the Christians summarize everything of their life, their lifestyle, the persons who they hang around with. You are a Christian. Everything you are summarizes that you are a believer in Christ. You are a, a special people. That, that, that's, that's something amazing. You are a special people. Look at this. <clears throat> God told Israel this. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. But there was a condition. Verse 5. In verse 5 of, of Exodus 19. <clears throat> says this, now therefore if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all the people for all the earth is mine. And verse 6 of Exodus 19 and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. But the Israel kept those words. No, they failed completely. <clears throat> they did not keep the words, these words. Even Solomon, the most wisest man on the earth, left God. And in Jeremiah, God told Jeremiah, if you could find one person, one, one little person that follows me, I will forgive this whole land. And yet, Jeremiah had a difficult time finding that one person. <clears throat> if Jeremiah was to look at the mirror himself, he would have failed too. Because he was trying to run away on many occasions. I want you to understand something. You are what you are in Christ. Not because of something special you did. But because of what he did <clears throat> We could claim all these titles And identity in Jesus Not because we obeyed the voice No, but because of what Jesus did Because Jesus was obedient Till the very end and yes, we're called to be obedient to him. And yes, that, that's what we do as Christians. That's, we, we are obedient to him, not to be saved, but because we are saved. Having a change in identity, we're able to react according to that identity. Notice something. Know what I said. <clears throat> Having a change in your identity how you act according to that identity. And we act according to our identity. Yes. Among an apple tree, you might find rotten apples. But that doesn't change the fact that an apple tree is an apple tree. It doesn't produce apples to become an apple tree. But it produces apples because it is an apple tree. The same as with a Christian. We do good works not to be saved. But because we are saved, we do these good works. 
And that's the difference between Christianity and other religions. Other religions do good works as a means of salvation. The Christian does good works because they are saved. They don't have to show off. They don't have to try to be something that they're not. No, they don't. We're not showing off and trying to be something. We're not going to go to heaven and say, well, it's not like Mother Teresa said, which she's burning in hell right now. I'm sorry if if I hurt anyone's feelings about Mother Teresa, but she wasn't a Christian. And she never preached the gospel. She says she was there to help Muslims be better Muslims. Buddhists be better Buddhists. Christians be better Christians. Atheists be better atheists. She never said that she was there to spread the gospel. And she wasn't a Christian. If A person that will tell you, you do 90, um, Jesus does 95% of the work, but you do 5%, that's not a gospel message. The gospel message is Jesus did it all. All to him I owe. I don't... If, 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 uh, if a Christian could go to heaven <clears throat> and if he does 1% of his work, you know how prideful we would do? How prideful we would be in heaven? We'll be as prideful as the devil. You can imagine Christians saying among themselves in heaven, well... I did more with one with my one percent than you did with your one percent. How dare you say that 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 you did more than me? Well, I want to tell you what I did. I did this. I did that. Doesn't that sound like what they did to Jesus? What Jesus said that many will say to him at that day? Oh Lord, we did this in your name. We did that in your name. We did this in your name. And Jesus will say in, in Matthew seven, he says. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. You're trying to get credit for everything you do, not knowing that it's the Holy Spirit who does it in you. You work of iniquity. At that day, we're going to place our crowns on the floor and say, to you we owe it all. We owe it all to you. Every single good thing, all glory and all honor, you deserve it. Not we. There's nothing to brag about to Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus brag about me than me brag about what I've done. Let's have Jesus brag about us. When we come to his throne, let's brag about what he did. Oh, he saved me from this. He saved me from that. When we brag... If you want to brag about something, brag about the sins you've fallen into in the past, and yet Jesus saved you. But don't brag about your sin and say, I am this, I am that, I am the other. Because then you're not really finding your identity in Christ. Paul says, I was a blasphemer. I was a murderer. I was this. Paul doesn't say, I'm still this. No, we we don't identify again with our sins. And if we do mention our sins... It's a thing of the past. Is what Christ done to us. We're not this no more. We're, we're this. We're in Christ. There's a verse in Isaiah I want to read um, after this song break. Let's, 
let's play the song is uh, the song my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ's righteousness Let's let's read Isaiah 4, verse 1. In that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own food and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by your name to, to take away our reproach. I want you to notice something. Compare this passage with Luke one twenty-five. Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Brothers and sisters, this is this was the words of Elizabeth. But it's also the words of every Christian. Take away our reproach, Jesus. Let us be called by your name. You know, when you get married... <clears throat> when you're married you wear your husband's last name when you become a Christian you no longer wear the name of your sin let me just get this in your mind again you wear the name of the person you're married to and since Jesus was and is the Christ, one name you wear, Christian. 
You're identifying yourself with Jesus, with his person. You're married. You're in union with Christ. Don't let that be forgotten because he's taken away your reproach. <clears throat> in Isaiah chapter 3, we've seen these women. What happens to these women? Everything that they have pleasant in them was defiled. They had beauty, but it, it, it became ugly, terribly ugly. Chapter 3, verse 24, it says, So it shall be instead of a sweet smell, there will be a stench. Instead of a sash, a rope. Instead of well-set hair, baldness. Instead of a rich robe, a grinding of sackcloth. And the branding, instead of beauty. Burning scars, instead of beauty. You notice all these things that that was sin. Every beauty that they thought they had was covered with sin, was filthy, was defiled. But brothers and sisters, when you go to Isaiah 4, they know what to do. Oh, there's nothing beautiful in us. Let us be called by your name. Take our shame out of us. Take our reproach out of us. And give us your beauty. Your name is beautiful. Oh, the name of Jesus is a beautiful name. It's a name that redeems. It's a name that sanctifies. It's a name that, that is our redemption. Oh, we can't go anywhere else, brothers and sisters. Put your trust, your faith in his righteousness. And verse 2 of Isaiah 4 says, In that day the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent, and the pleading for those of Israel who have escaped. They were ugly. They were, they were disgraced. Everything they thought was beautiful in them, they found out to be terrible. But guess what? They found something beautiful, something glorious, something wonderful in Jesus. And the same thing with you and me. We have our identity in Christ because we find something so beautiful in Him. He is the one who loves us more than anyone can love us. Yes. <clears throat> you asked me the question, Harris, do you want to get remarried again? Yes. But guess what? If I had a choice between being married again and being with Jesus, I will have to choose Jesus. Because Jesus is everything. Jesus is everything in our lives. Because if you have a husband or wife, you're eventually going to lose them. Unless you both die in a car accident. But nevertheless, when you get to heaven, you won't be together. If you have kids, they will leave the house someday. If you have fortunes... You're going to lose that eventually. 
Money is like birds. They fly away. And it's like time. But if you have Jesus, you have everything. And you can take that with you to the next life. And you won't lose it. I'm not saying I don't want to get remarried now. Now, don't think of that. But I'm saying one thing. Jesus will never disappoint you. Jesus will never leave you. Jesus will never forsake you. You lean too much on on friends. They're like glass. They will break. You lean on Jesus. You will find a soft pillow there. That you can stay sleeping and leaning all day and all night long. He won't break. He won't. Not even an inch. He won't shatter. We are leaning on Jesus. Not our sins. Not family members. Not anybody else. Our identity is in that precious Lord. The one that we could rely on. Lord bless you all. And I'll see you next program of Mr. Kakalides and the Bible Podcast. So long. Bye.